0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. The first reading is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt that you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jails where he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, should you not forgive your brother from your heart. The second uh, passage comes from Ephesians 4, uh, starting at 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that may, he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk from out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up and fits the occasion, and that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God.
1: Oh, friends, it's good to see you tonight. If you If you've sort of flicked to Ephesians or want to go back to Matthew 18, that would be a good place to be. Uh, For I haven't met you before, I'm Simon. I'm the lead pastor here at City Light North Adelaide. It's really nice to see you here tonight. Uh, Tonight is our last in the series, We Need to Talk. Uh, We've been at this sort of series for a number of weeks now. Uh, We began with outrage culture. We're sort of landing at the end with forgiveness And we've been across some pretty interesting ground uh, since. uh, Next week, over the next three weeks, we're uh, going uh, having a three week series in Paul's letter to Titus, um, thinking about sort of um, healthy. What was it? Healthy, healthy church, healthy discipleship. Yeah. So thinking through that. So over three weeks, and that's coming up. Um, So yeah, we are talking tonight about forgiveness. Talking about forgiveness. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this to be a Christian means to uh, be a person, means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. From his book, Mere Christianity. I love that comment. I really like that comment. He's saying, uh, when you know the extravagant, lavish grace and mercy and forgiveness of God, That is what equips you, that's what enables you to learn to forgive others, your brothers and sisters in Christ in particular. Uh, In that reading that Ruth brought us from Ephesians, Paul writes, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You've been forgiven by God, so forgive each other. Leave the hurts behind, get over your grudges. That's effectively what he's saying And that sort of sounds easy, right? Uh, But let's be honest, it's it's much harder. I find it much harder. That's why C.S. Lewis goes on to say this, uh, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something or someone to forgive. Who agrees with that? I reckon it's pretty true. And there's this tension, right? We, We know that we should forgive, but we find it really hard to forgive. The scriptures repeatedly say, if you are a Christian, forgiveness should sort of just sort of flow out of us, it should be part of our nature, our new nature in Christ. But that requires a work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to pray that God would um, help us in just a few moments. But as we come to this subject of forgiveness, um, obviously we come with all kinds of, of stories, personal stories, personal hurts, where we've been hurt, where we've hurt others. Uh, we come with a number of questions regarding forgiveness, and I I'm a limited person with limited time. We can't get to all of those. But I thought I'd just share really quickly um, just four kind of qualifications as we come to think about forgiveness tonight, just to help kind of clear up some things as we head into this passage, in particular Matthew 18. Um, they're not on the screen. That means they don't really exist, but no, they do. Um, four kind of qualifications that we probably need to consider tonight. Um, the first one is this Forgiveness is an attitude and a transaction, and it's an attitude and a transaction. Um, someone, I don't know, annoys you, around you, and that really gets to you. As Christians, we're called to forgive them immediately, just immediately forgive them for being kind of annoying to us. But what if they don't, like, what if they don't accept our forgiveness? Uh, so let's say, I don't know, let's say Amy. Amy, I lend you my car, you have it for the weekend, um, it comes back to me, and it's just kind of trashed. I don't know, there's... there's empty Macca's containers in there, it's covered in mud and it happens to be that down the left hand side you've just scratched it, like it's, you've driven along the side of a wall. And you hand it back to me in that condition and you go, there you go. And I'm like, whoa, like, I didn't give you the car in that condition um, and look, it's looking terrible. But I sort of go, all right, I like you, I forgive you, I love you, I forgive you. And you go, whatever. And I'm like. Like, yeah, I lent you my car, and look what you've done to my car, and it's not in good condition. Look at my car, and uh, but I'm like, I'm willing to forgive you. And you go, like, I don't care. That's that's kind of we're not reconciled, are we? Like, I'm hurt, I've, a, I've sort of offered forgiveness, but there's been nothing in the back coming back to me. There's no been no transaction. Um, so it's an attitude, I'm called to forgive, but there's also a transaction involved reconciliation. Um, so forgiveness is an attitude, and it's A transaction. Secondly, forgiveness is a decision and a promise. In that you annoy me, you do something that hurts me. I am called to forgive you, and then to called to go on forgiving you. So it's a it's a it's a decision. I forgive you, and then a promise to go on forgiving. Um, It's implicit. That's the second thing. The third thing, first thing, it's an attitude. A transaction. Second thing, it's a decision and a promise. Thirdly, forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. See, forgiveness, it's an action. I forgive you. But forgetting, it's a passive thing. I don't actively forget to lose my keys, right? I do it regularly. But I don't actively go, I'm going to forget my keys. It's a passive thing. It just kind of happens. Sometimes... You can't forget, but we can keep on forgiving. To use a kind of pointed illustration, you know, if you're here tonight and you've been abused or you know someone who has been abused physically, emotionally, um, you can forgive, but it's really hard to forget. Perhaps it's almost impossible to forget. You can forgive, but you can't forget. To forget, actually, would probably be to sort of trivialise away the actions of the other person who's hurt you in some kind of way. So forgiveness is not forgetting. And fourthly, forgiveness does not remove consequences. Forgiveness does not remove consequences. So if a a woman in a relationship, be she a wife or de facto, whatever it might be, if a woman is beaten up by her husband or partner, um. She can say, I forgive you, but it doesn't remove consequences. Um, you know, The consequences might be, I forgive you, but I think you need to get some serious help and counselling. I forgive you, but you, something really drastic has to change. Or it could be, I forgive you, I do forgive you, and I'll come and visit you while you're in prison and support you in that. Forgiveness doesn't remove consequences. Um, similar thing, you know, let's say a, a woman has an extramarital affair. Um, you know, the husband in that relationship can say, or the, the, other, the partner in that relationship can say, I forgive you, but it doesn't automatically mean trust is kind of immediately restored in that relationship. That will take time. There are consequences. So there's four brief sort of caveats, Qualifications as we come to this subject of forgiveness tonight. That I just wanted to share before we dive into Matthew chapter 18. But it's a big subject. It's, it's. I think it's hard to preach. It's hard to listen potentially. Um, But let's pray and ask that the Spirit of God would do a work in us tonight. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you and praise you that really at the heart of the Christian faith is this idea of forgiveness. Uh, It's not our idea. We haven't created it. But for many of us in the room tonight, we've come to experience forgiveness that which you wrought for us at the cross. And Father, we realise that to be a follower of Christ means that a key mark of our lives ought to be that of forgiving others. And so we come tonight recognising that it's hard, and we come to hear tonight with, with many stories and hurts, perhaps, where we've been hurt, where we've hurt others. And Lord, I pray that tonight, by your Spirit and through your Word, you would do a transformative work amongst us, That you would make us, Father, more like Jesus, as individuals, as a community, for your glory, for our good and the joy of this city. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just dive straight into Matthew 18 and verse 21. hope it's in front of you. There'll be some uh, references on the screen. Uh, then Peter uh, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Says Peter. Now, just before this moment in the narrative of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus has been speaking to his disciples about what to do when someone sins against you and they refuse to acknowledge that. Repent, we would call that. Um, the process of, of dealing with that person who has hurt you, you call it out, and they just go, whatever. You know, and he's, Jesus has helped us think through that. But here, if someone sinned, I've forgiven them. How long do I go on forgiving them? How many times do I have to keep forgiving this person? That's how Luke kind of records the parallel in Luke chapter 17. Uh, similar scenario, we, we hear this. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins seven times in a day and he repents each time, forgive him. So you see there, if he repents, get on with the forgiving. That's what Jesus basically says. Here in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, this disciple, says, how many times should I do that? Seven times? As far as we know, in the context of the day, the Jewish rabbis who were teaching you know, God's people of the day in downtown Jerusalem, I guess, they said three times. That's how many you forgive. That's the, that's the going rate was based on a really odd reading, actually, I think, of Amos in the Old Testament. You can look that up later. But the Jewish rabbis taught three times. That's how many times you need to forgive. So Peter comes up to Jesus, right, and says, So Jesus, we're talking about forgiveness, and how many times do you say I should forgive? Seven times? Like, you know, like, I get forgiveness, Jesus. I kind of know a bit about grace. The rabbis say three. I reckon seven. You can hear him, right? It's probably a bit like that. Seven times. I mean, that's generous based on the standards of the day. That's, that's, that's double Jesus plus one. Like, that's good, yeah? So much grace. I'm, I'm sure Peter, though, was a little disappointed when Jesus responded in verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Oh, probably Peter's like, whoa. Now, it's not just a random number, right, that Jesus plucks out of thin air, nor is Jesus just really, he just likes 11 times tables, right? I, you know, who, who loved 11 times tables when they were at school? It's so easy. I wasn't really good at maths, but so clear, so straightforward. Now, 77, right, 70, the number 77 only crops up one other time in all of the scriptures. Anyone know where it is? Genesis 4, I know it was on the tip of your tongue, yeah, Genesis 4, Uh, nasty Lamech makes this boast to his wives, it's on on the screen, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And you're going, what is he talking about? Earlier in Genesis chapter 4, Cain feared for his life, right? Lord, he says, I'm going to get killed. The Lord gives Cain a word of assurance. No, you won't, Cain. It's going to be okay. I, I'll give you this assurance, you know. If, you get, if someone hurts you, I'll repay them sevenfold. Okay, don't worry. In the context, right, it's a word of assurance to Cain from the Lord. You're fine. Here, Lamech takes that and he perverts it. He distorts it. And you can see his logic, right? A young man struck me, I kill him. It's like it's mafia logic. Here we go. You know, like you hurt me, I kill you. I kill your mother, I kill your mother's mother. Like that's the kind of language. It's mafia style, right? No one hurts me. Anyone touches Lamech, everyone pays. So what Lamech is boasting about here is like an escalation of cruelty. That's very easy to make fun of, right? Really easy to make fun of. But in one sense, it's really human. You hurt me, I kill you. I kill your mother, I kill your mother's mother. Like it just, it's like outrage culture, which we began with in our series, right? Outrage culture, all about someone hurt me back in the past. It's now impacting my life today, and I'm going to call them out on that, and I'm going to make them pay more than how I'm feeling today. It's our culture. Retaliation, retribution, vengeance. Very human, But here, it's a perversion. Someone wounds me, I'm going to kill them. God says he will repay sevenfold. Context, a word of assurance. Lamech, I'm going to pay back 77fold. Context, vengeance. And so Jesus picks up on that here in his conversation with Peter and the disciples in Matthew 18. Peter says, how many times do I need to forgive? Seven times. Jesus says, 77 times. You've got the really human Lamech, right, who thought self-protection, vengeance, retaliation, retribution. Jesus, I'm going to completely turn that on its head. Peter, I want you to respond. You know, Sorry, Lamech's revenge, right, disproportionate. You hurt me, I kill you. Jesus says to Peter, I want you to respond to people who sin against you, who, who injure you physically, emotionally, spiritually, those who wound you. Respond to them with disproportionate mercy. Outrageous kindness. Not self-protection and vengeance and retribution and revenge. That's unforgiveness, retaliation. You know, Jesus says forgive in a way that is ridiculous. Completely out of proportion. Radical forgiveness. Outrageous mercy. That's what my people will be like, says Jesus. This new community saved sinners, gathered round the Lamb. That's what this new community will look and f- be like. And Peter hears that, right? And I think he goes, whoa, like you and me, that's hard. That's a challenge. 77 times. I mean, what Jesus, Jesus really is really saying, it's, you know, it's a number, it's you know, only up to 77. It's, ignore the quantity, just keep forgiving. Forgive beyond anything that they deserve. That's really hard. How do we do that? Well, that's what Jesus tells this parable, this story. If you understand this parable, says Jesus, here is the power, here is the resources you need, here is the gospel power you need to forgive someone no, no matter what they do against you, potentially. It's, it's knowing that you've been forgiven. The parable kind of breaks down into three scenes up on the screen. Um, outrageous forgiveness um, covers a big debt. Lack of forgiveness demands payment from others. A lack of forgiveness brings a terrible fate. It kind of goes really well at the beginning and then ends with misery. That's pretty much where we end. But here we go. Um, Point one, outrageous forgiveness covers a big debt. Uh, Verse 23. Okay, this is how you're going to forgive, says Jesus. He tells the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And he pause there and you go, 10,000 talents? We don't deal with 10,000 like, talents these days, do we? How much is that? And this is where I put my beautiful business maths hat on, right? And we think through, like, how much was this? So here we go. One talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. And we learn from Matthew 20, a couple of pages on, that a denarii is the equivalent of one day's wage. So we're talking 6,000 denarii is equal to 20 years of wages. Sound like a lot? Yeah. A labourer's wage, let's say a labourer's wage is, in Australia, $50,000 per annum, you know, give or take. One talent, therefore, equals $1 million. 10,000 talents, $10 billion. That's the debt that is owed to the master by this servant. That's quite a lot of money, yeah. Everyone agree? Ten billion. It's a big amount. Um, it's so big. It's actually equivalent to the GDP of Madagascar. There you go. Um, that's that's a lot of money, ten billion dollars. Um, but I don't think that's even Jesus' point, right? The figure in Greek, actually, 10,000, that's the largest number you can write grammatically in the Greek language, in the original Greek language. It's You, know, you could say you know, 1, 10,000, 2, 10,000, 3, 10,000. It's like our equivalent of like a zillion, yeah? Um, he owed his master a zillion dollars. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Technically, I think, I think the biggest number we have is centillion. Um, I don't even know how many zeros are on the back of that, but it's big. Let's run with 10 billion. So somehow this servant not from Madagascar, this servant has come to owe the master $10 billion. Verse 25, um, since he was not able to pay, you reckon? He's a labourer, he, I don't know, he delivers pizzas for Domino, I don't know. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, not literally, right? You sell all those things, they won't add up to $10 billion, especially in the culture of the day. Um, you know, a really, 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 really good servant might fetch a, a talent, uh, but they'd have to be exceptional. They'd have to be a very strong and powerful and fit, Adonis-like servant, like like Tom Cowold, right? You know, like really like, strong. Someone very physically impressive might fetch a bit. But this is not going to pay off the debt. The master is simply showing the severity of the problem of the servant. He's not angry in verse 25. He's he's showing how hopeless the predicament is. Here's a debt you cannot pay. But the servant, right? The servant goes, I I reckon we could establish like a payment plan, right? to, To pay it off. So verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. No, you can't. You're only on like 50K a year. You'll have to work a pretty long time to pay off the 10 billion. What are you talking about? You can't enter some kind of payment plan. You haven't got it, have you? Just how big your debt is. But look at verse 27. The master is so, so kind. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Wow. Wow. Outrageous mercy. Radical kindness, extraordinary generosity. You know, 10 billion just written off. Now, I don't care who you are, right? That's, that's just a lot of money. You, know, you could be Gina Reinhart, right? Who I'm, I'm told in Australia is worth about $15 billion. You now, let's say one of her employees came to sort of embezzle $10 million of her money and just she went, no, just let it go. That would make the newspapers, wouldn't it? That would make social media quite a lot. And that might actually change the public perception of the Reinhardts. I don't know. No one writes off $10 million and says, doesn't matter. This is a ridiculous act of generosity, kindness, and compassion. And here's the point. Jesus is saying, Peter, if you're going to forgive other people repeatedly, you need to know two things. One, you, you owe a debt that you can never pay. And two outrageous mercy and grace is paid over your debt. You've got to get those two things if you're going to forgive other people. And this, of course, is the gospel. The good news of Jesus. You know, God has lavished upon all of us wonderful blessings, so many blessings that He's given us everything we've got: the air in our lungs, the blood in our veins. He's given you the opportunities you've had, the family you're from, the education you've received, the intelligence you possess, the possessions that you have, the money you have, everything we have. And yet we abuse it. We, We take it. We want his stuff. We just don't want him. We want all the good things from God, just we don't want God. We take, we take, we take, we take, we take. We do stuff we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. And so morally, says the Scriptures, there is a debt that we cannot pay back. Oh, you can try from this day, right? You know, set up a payment plan. I'm going to be good from this day all the way through to every day until I see him. I'm going to live a really, really good life, but there is no chance of paying off that debt. We stand before God utterly bankrupt. But God is a God who is so good, so merciful, so loving, that he is willing to wipe away that debt. He says, I will pay it for you. I'll absorb that debt in the person of my son, the Lord Jesus. I'll take it in my son, Jesus, on the cross. It's very costly, really costly. I will die in that man, Jesus Christ. I will take that debt upon myself that you might live. He pays our debt. He came to pay a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. He came into the world. God emptied the treasury of heaven so the people like you and me who don't deserve him could be free, no debt, and live with him forever. That's forgiveness. He pays our debt. Christ Jesus came into the world, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that we could be made right with him. Jesus became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Right here, Matthew chapter 18, it's the gospel. It's outrageous forgiveness, radical love. He, he pays a massive debt, a debt we could never pay back. It's on offer from God here tonight. That's scene one. Next two scenes, a little bit briefer. Um, a lack of... Forgiveness demands payment from others. Verse 28. uh, When that servant went out, the one who's just been forgiven this wonderful debt of $10 billion, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. It's really striking. A lack of forgiveness demands payment from others. Yeah, firstly, what's striking, do you see the language that this man uses? Uh, that the debtor, the language that the debtor uses, it, it's the same as the servants in scene one. So verse 26. The servant in the first scene, he fell on his knees. He said, be patient with me to the master. He begged and I'll pay it back. Verse 29, this debtor, what does he do? Falls on his knees, be patient with me. He begged, I'll pay it back. Precisely the same language. And yet this man listens but doesn't hear. He fails to make the connection that this guy is in exactly the same situation that he was with his master. Let's so unpack this a little bit as well. What's the sum of money we're talking about here? It's 100 denarii. And so you know, based on what we did before, one denarii, it's a day's wage, one third of a year's salary, therefore 100 days, is equivalent to like $17,000, roughly. Now, I don't know about you. I'm grateful that Jesus kind of went for a reasonable sum of money here, um, you know, it's not that the servant owed the master 10 billion dollars, and he sort of walks away, and now, you know, this other servant owes him 10 bucks. You can just sort of write that off right? It's not a big deal. But 70,000 dollars, it's a decent sum of money, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, you, know, you can go on a good overseas holiday for that, maybe two overseas holidays for that. You could buy a new car for that, you know? Like someone takes that kind of money from you and refuses to give it back. That's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to hurt me personally. Like I'm going to feel that. What's the point? The point that Jesus is making is that forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. Jesus is not saying, you know, someone sins against you, they hurt you, they wound you, and you just sort of brush it off under the carpet. doesn't matter. Unless you're a millionaire, right? For most of us, to write off $17,000 is going to hurt a little bit. But here's the question posed to us by this story. How can the man who's been let off a $10 billion debt, Choke someone for $17,000. There's a massive disconnect. And Jesus' diagnosis is that he was probably never really forgiven. He never understood forgiveness. He never really knew what it was to be forgiven his debts. He didn't get the gospel. So the third scene then, A lack of forgiveness brings a terrible fate. Verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? That's the key diagnosis right there, verse 33. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You've behaved, Jesus says, in a way that seems to indicate you have no idea of what grace, kindness and mercy are. You don't seem to understand forgiveness at all. There's a a bunch of mistakes that this guy's made. I'm just going to highlight three. Three mistakes that this guy's made. Firstly, he's forgotten who's king. It's easy, right? If you forget that God is the king and you place yourself in that position as the king of your own story, if someone comes to owe you $17,000, you're going to be kind of pretty irritated, I reckon, because it's going to impact your story. You're going to be annoyed. But if you remember ultimately that in God's big story, we are loved children of his, but just players in his big story of salvation, that kind of humbles you, remembering that he is king. He's the king. We play on his terms. And I think the man here had forgotten who was king. Second, perhaps most significant mistake he'd made, I think, is that he focused on the wrong debt. That's what the guy got wrong here. He's focused on the wrong debt. And for you and me, if someone offends us and perhaps we're struggling to forgive them, I want to ask us, which debt are we focused on? The massive one that I owed God but he's wiped clean for me or am I focusing on the really small one that someone owes to me? The instinctive one, I think the easy one to do, is to focus on the latter. So we, I don't know if you're like me, you perseverate on that debt, you you dwell on it, you fume about the small one and you fail to think about the massive one that I've been forgiven of. You see, if you you focus on the big debt, I feel like you're humbled, you're thankful, you're gracious. But if we focus all the time on the debts that are owed to us, I think it grows in us bitterness and pride and self-righteousness. And the third, and I suggest this is the point of the parable, you've never understood the size of your debt and the extravagance of God's mercy if you can't forgive other people. You you and I owe trillions and trillions, zillions morally. Occasionally someone will owe us a few thousand dollars. When you know the extent to which you've been forgiven, it does change you. It changes our attitude towards the debts of others. And then the last two verses of the story, the conclusion, verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father, Jesus says, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Kind of two things going on here. One, there's this kind of ultimate sense about what Jesus is talking about. It's kind of ultimate. You know, if you cannot forgive other people, it's a sign potentially that you've never understood the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Earlier in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches this, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And here he says, unblessed are the ones who are unmerciful for they will be shown anger and wrath. Just to be really clear, um, forgiving other people of the debts they owe to you the, the hurts they've done to you that's not a, a precondition of being saved it's not like you know I have to go out now and forgive every single person and make every right wrong You know that's until I've done that then there's no way I can be saved and right with God that's not what Jesus is talking about uh, forgiving other people of the hurts the debts they owe to you is a post condition of meeting Jesus just as you have been forgiven by him, so we are like him. We forgive others the debts they owe to us. If you, are, if you genuinely are a believer here tonight and you've tasted and experienced the, the radical debt-crushing forgiveness that comes through faith in Jesus, you will forgive others. I will forgive others. And Jesus' challenge is, if, if, you, if you don't, perhaps you've never understood the cross. Forgiveness, mercy, and grace. So there's this this ultimate sense, right? This eternal kind of sense here, that you'll be shut off from God forever. But there's a milder sense, I think, here as well, that maybe is true for more of us and many of us here tonight. You know, if you're a Christian, if you're here tonight and you're struggling to forgive people, someone who's hurt you, Again, the issue is that perhaps that you're, you're focusing on the wrong debt. You're focusing on the small debt and you've taken your eyes off the big debt that you've been freed of and cleared of by the grace and mercy of God. When you dwell upon your, your, your own sin before the Lord, I think it actually enables us to absorb and even indulge the sins of others, dare I say that, because you just realise how gracious God has been to you. About 18 months ago, um, someone in the church that I was at, came up to me and said, Simon, I need to let you know something. And I'm like, oh no, you know, gird my loins. This person said, I've finally forgiven you, Simon, for something you said to me back in March 2017. And I'm like, whoa. Like, you know, what what runs through your head at that point, yeah? Like, what did I say? March 2017, that's a long time ago, you know. What an extraordinary thing to say, though. This bloke that said this to me, he's been in church with me for a number of years. Oh, you know, <clears throat> I've just forgiven you, Simon, for what you said to me back in March 2017. Now, I don't doubt this bloke was a follower of Jesus. I, um, but I think the man had so, th- he had things out of whack. I don't doubt that I probably did say something that really annoyed him. Um, you know, got his back up. I probably overstepped something. I probably overstated something as well. I can do that. Um, I might have been a little bit harsh. I may be ungodly. Can I just remind you, you're looking at a very imperfect preacher? Um, you know, I, I'm fallible. I'm weak. I'm, I'm sinful. I make mistakes. But I've only just forgiven you for something you said to me 2017. This guy had been obsessing about my crime, my words for that long and I actually felt actually in that relationship a little bit of distance growing between us. I don't think it was from my part. Maybe, well, obviously it's something, but you know, like, but he'd forgotten, I think, that he's been freed of a massive debt. Not by anything he'd done, but by the mercy and grace of God. I might owe you 17,000K, but you owe billions and you're focused on the wrong debt. It's possible to do. So the keys to this, says Jesus, if you're going to forgive, how many times are you going to forgive? 77 times. How are we going to forgive 77 times? Ongoing? The answer is very simple, says Jesus. You need to know that there is a debt you cannot pay, but it has been paid by the outrageous generosity, the ineffable love towards you, through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus says. That's the, that's the parable. But I just want to finish tonight by telling a story, so just a story that I love, that I've come across, and it's to do with the genocide in Rwanda um, back in 1994. Um, the genocide in Rwanda um, was the Hutu tribe trying to wipe out the Tutsi tribe in Rwanda, in that genocide of 1994, 800,000 uh, Twitsi people were, were murdered. Um, and, and effectively, the world did nothing, right? The world just sort of watched on. It was a massacre. There was a, a story, uh, many stories came out of this, of, of radical grace. But one was this. Uh, there was a woman named Adele, not my wife, but another Adele, um, who had a, married to a pastor, pastor of a church, um, one particular morning, gathered like we were, you know, uh, tonight, um, the, the Hutu sort of guys armed with their machetes burst through the doors of the church and they yelled out, you know, where is the pastor? Who's the pastor here? And Adele's husband stood up. They went up to him and they flayed him alive. They skinned him from head to toe while he was still breathing and then they slit his throat. Um, the, the fracas, the, the disruption that occurred after that, the fights and stuff, led 45 members of that local church to be killed on that particular day. In the Mallet, Adele, the husband, the wife of the, husband, the pastor, her face was severely disfigured through it with a machete. And she lay among the dead, 45 dead, for, for three days until the church was able to come back in and to clean up the bodies. They found Adele alive in the, in the bodies. Over a period of time and, and through some physical healing, obviously Adele got stronger, and she decided, as a follower of Jesus, she decided to forgive. It wasn't easy, but she decided to forgive. She, she kind of effectively said to herself, I could either grow bitter, increasingly bitter over time, or I could forgive, trust the Lord in light of what he has done for me. But it, it wasn't like, you know, she went through this experience and then realised, I need to forgive, and clicked her fingers and it was fine. It took her years to work through that process. After several years, she recovered and she started actually working in the local prison, um, caring for Hutu prisoners. Um, many of the men who'd been involved in the, in the Rwandan massacres and the genocide... Um, She helped the prisoners with various things. She actually became known as the mother of the prison. She was there so much and helping so much. There's a really good chance as well, I don't know about this, but because of the nature of her injuries, what makes her forgiveness even more radical is that probably the nature of her, her injuries probably meant that she was no longer potentially able to marry. She wasn't suitable for marriage because of her disfigurement. I don't know, so that just compounds that. But these are her words... Let me share them with you. One day in the prison. One day, a young man named Lewis fell at my feet and he was weeping and kissing my feet. And as I looked down at his face, I saw that he was the young man who rushed in with the machete and killed my husband. He was the young man who put this scar on my head. And he looked up at me and said, Adele, would you forgive me? I pulled him up and I embraced him and said, in the name of Jesus, I will forgive you. Wow. Like, that's outrageous forgiveness. You know, and I reckon probably since the day of that particular event in the church where her husband was killed, where she was disfigured, Every day, I reckon, upon realising that she needed to forgive, she'd have to make that choice every day. I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive. I think that's how forgiveness works. It's not like you just click your fingers and everything's okay. It's a choice to make. It's an attitude. It's a decision. It's an action. But she went on, quote, My heart was racing, but I knew that Christ had forgiven me and that I could forgive this murderer. I began studying the Bible with prisoners and Lewis came to the Bible studies. He made a decision that he would follow Jesus and be baptised. He was released from prison in about the year 2000. Upon being released from prison, he was largely homeless. He didn't really know what he was going to do. And guess what? Adele adopted him and welcomed him into her house. It's outrageous forgiveness. And I don't don't doubt for a second that even as, as he moved into her house, every day it was a choice. I've got to forgive this guy because Christ has forgiven me. Outrageous forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, I will forgive you. It's the only way you can forgive 77 times. In the name of Jesus, I will forgive you. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. It's a hard topic. It's at the centre of the Christian faith. It ought to be the centre of our Christian lives. I want to invite you, if you want to talk to me tonight and pray with me, share what's going on, and I would love to meet with you and talk and listen and pray if that's what you'd like. I'll be up the back after, but um, let's pray now and ask God to work in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for the cross afresh tonight. We thank you, Father, for your amazing love, your outrageous mercy. Father, your ineffable love. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. Father, we thank you that he gave up the the comforts and the glories of heaven and came into our world, our sinful world, to rescue and to make a way for men and women like us here tonight to be forgiven and right with you. We recognise, Lord, that our debt was so great, there was no way we could repay it, but we thank you again for your grace and mercy in giving us Jesus. Father, we pray that, Father, you would make us more like yourself, more like your Son in the power of your Spirit. Father, we recognise tonight the same spirit that lives in us is the same spirit that overcame the grave and raised Jesus to new life. And so we pray, Father, that, that Lord, uh, your spirit would so work in us that it would cause us to forgive. As we are able, those who have hurt us and wounded us. So, Father, please, yeah, do a work in us tonight, we pray. Uh, that we would indeed be um, the people of god you've redeemed us to be a people marked by forgiveness uh, oozing with that and the love of god yourself and so we ask this father in jesus name amen
0: amen thank you for listening to audio from city light church we hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.